Greetings, Moonlight Citizens. Uh, this is your man on the moon coming to you to bring you the Moonlight Kingdom podcast reviews. And in this episode, we shall be reviewing the 2021 Mark Wahlberg starring Antoine Fuqua directing sci-fi movie adaptation Infinite. This is the second Mark Wahlberg uh anton fuqua collaboration the first one was the movie shooter and that was all right it's definitely got some rewatchability to it but this one is a different game so first one see while that first one was a action thriller about a lone man fighting against uh you know corrupt people who were trying to frame him for murder this is about a man who is a reincarnated who was part of well a group of reincarnated peoples who uh, seeking to stop the world from being killed off by a bunch of bad guys and see that's a very different beast in and of itself but hey that's not what you're here for i'm going to get into that much later on the book is based on a i mean the movie is based on a book called the reincarnationist papers but yeah i'll dive further into that anyway this is your intro for the moonlight kingdom reviews episode who knows what episode this is of infinite here, blast off in three, two, one. Before we really get into this, let's give you some background. All right. <clears throat> D. Eric Mekrans, the guy who self-published the Reincarnationist papers back in 2009. Yeah. So that book stayed a book until some executive at a Hollywood production company found the book in a Nepalese hotel. And, you know, then we started work on it. In March of 2017, there were plans to make it into a movie. They reported that Paramount Pictures bought the rights to Shore and Stein's adaptation of the book, uh, which was described as Wanted Meets Matrix. In reality, okay, I'm getting to all that later. They're right on that one, and there's more to follow on that front. But yeah, Wanted Meets Matrix. And there were talks even as far back then that... You know, Chris Evans might be there to star, and they'd even started talks with Antoine Fuqua about directing the movie way back then. Yeah, this movie was in the works way back when, like 2017, 18. Yeah. In 2019, he actually entered negotiations, and that's when they confirmed Fuqua as the director. The same month, John Lee Hancock worked on rewrites, and in June of that year, he dropped out of the project due to scheduling conflicts. And that's when Mark Wahlberg began notifications to replace him, and he wasn't confirmed until August. So dude drops out in June, and negotiations begin with Wahlberg, and they don't end until August. What could you all have possibly been talking about for two months? Seriously, man. Anyway, after that, in September of that month, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Johannes Hakur Johannesson, I hope that's right, Rupert Friend, Jason Mantzoukas, and... Tom Hughes were all cast by November. Production beginning in September 2019. Scenes were being shot in Cardiff, Farnborough Airport, an uh, indoor ski facility called Snow Center, and a bunch of places in 2019. Also shot throughout, movies shot throughout Nepal, New York, Scotland, Cambodia, and the Swiss Alps. Harry Gregson Williams, known for movies like, uh, what's that movie? The Lie, The Ghost in the Darkness, yeah. He did the score for this movies, and he worked with him on previous films. Uh, yeah, the movie was soundtrack was released on La La Land Records and Paramount Music. Um, 
Originally, the movie was scheduled for a theatrical release on August 7th, 2020, but was delayed to May 28th, 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It was delayed again in September 24th of 2021 when A Quiet Place Part 2, Quiet Place Part 2, remember that movie, was moved to the May slot and now May 6th, Paramount canceled the theatrical release and instead released it via Paramount Plus. Yeah, it was one of the first movies to release solely on Paramount Plus. No theatrical release for you, Infinite. Just straight to streaming. Eh. Yeah. The film was released on Blu-ray and DVD on May 17 of 2022. That's right, a movie that came out in June 10 of 2021 on streaming was moved to DVDs in May 17 of 2022, almost a year later. Oof. Oh, well, that's for those who weren't subscribed to Paramount Plus and weren't, <laughs> whatever. There you have it, folks, the background. The movie was inspired by a book called The Reincarnationist Papers that has been around since, two that was written back in 2009 and has just sort of just been sitting there until one day, uh, you know, a junior executive came across it in a Napoli's hotel and was like, hmm. Yeah. Also, let's be honest. Um, the Reincarnationist Papers is a a more interesting name than Infinite. Much like how Live Die Repeat is a more interesting name than Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. Okay. That was your background. Now let's get into the actual film. Okay, Mark Wahlberg's Infinite. Uh, psh, a six out of ten, right off the bat, man. Six out of ten infinites, cause with a script like this, I mean, the very concept behind this movie, and all the talent at work here, there's possibilities were part the pun infinite, and it didn't really, you know, it just, there's so much you could have done here. So a definite six out of ten, and here's why. Okay, the movie says Macaulay's schizophrenia is actually memories from his past lives, and the bad guys want to catch him to find out what he knows so they can find an egg with the power to wipe out all life on Earth. The main villain, Broadhurst, has a female... <laughs> okay, well, okay, before I get into that, um, yeah, the bad guys are chasing this dude who has memories of a MacGuffin that the bad guys are looking for. What does that sound like to you? Oh, for all you video gamers out there, you know what I'm talking about. That sounds just like the premise for freaking Assassin's Creed, dude. No wonder this damn thing's been sitting on a shelf somewhere. They, they didn't realize, wait a minute, we don't need to make a story that's like Assassin's Creed. We have Assassin's Creed, man. We already have Assassin's Creed. That's why that movie was able to happen before this one. Probably because A, that source material, more often than not, more likely than not, is more well known and came before this one. And this is a copy. Why would you make a copy of Assassin's Creed? We have actual Assassin's Creed. But I digress. Moving on. <clears throat> so yeah, this movie... Okay, the movie has like the magic MacGuffin that people are searching for that only the good guy knows of in his memories. But he doesn't have access to those memories. So the bad guys want to get him. Then, you know, find out what's going on. But there's this group that wants to get him. That's straight up Assassin's Creed <coughs> Templar shit. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Um... Yeah, Mark Wal the main villain Broadhurst has a female accomplice. <laughs> the protagonist has a female accomplice happening throughout the movie. 
You know what that means. Cat fights. <laughs> you just know these two characters are there so we can have two chicks fighting each other at some point in the movie. And it, it ends with them rolling around on the ground somewhere. I'm like, this is the most 2000s movie. This movie was made in like 2019. Yet it feels like it was made in, like, I don't know, 2009 or something. When, who wrote, when was this? <laughs> what the hell? Whatever. I mean, it's based on a book written in 2009. But weirdly, the movie doesn't follow the events of the book. So, okay. They didn't adapt the reincarnationist papers. They adapted a screenplay, which was an adaptation. So, it's an adaptation of an adaptation. So, of course, it's not 100%. It's a copy of a copy. A copy of a copy does not come out quite as sharp. Anyway, moving on. Um, a whole lot of shit happens, so... Uh, I'm not really going to dive that much into the movie. You know, the heroes get get Macaulay and he goes along with them. There's this moment where they're in an airplane hangar and they're discussing like, hey man, do you want to, you know, potentially, you want to come with us and, you know, see hear, hear us out properly or you want to stay here and like live the life you was living because dude's life isn't that good. It's kind of shit. You know, he's, he's got, okay. The movie says Macaulay's, the, car, the character has schizophrenia. The character's name is Macaulay. And they say his schizophrenia is actually memories from his past lives. And the bad guys want to catch him and find out what he knows so they can find an egg with power to wipe out all life on Earth. The bad guys are nihilists. And they want to end all life on Earth so that they can finally die. Because they are immortals too. Okay, they're immortals too. And they don't want to keep returning from the dead. Because the, the one guy explains that when he returns from the dead dead his memories don't come back to him in puberty his memories come back to him while he's still in the womb like that's gotta suck i can understand why that would suck for you okay but then okay there's also this weapon that the bad guys have when they shoot the good guys they hit them with this right in the head and it does it stops their soul from being able to reincarnate it like traps them in this like little bullet that they have so much and they keep all these people that they've captured in this big wall of like names and everything that they have locked up in there to stop them from reincarnating my question is this if they don't want to be alive no more they don't want to reincarnate no more why don't they just turn that crap on themselves why you got to take the whole world with you you have a magic bullet that takes out immortals just you know i'm not advocating with suicide i'm just saying you know in this film you have a solution right there Use it. Why don't you use it? What the hell's wrong with you? <clears throat> All that to one side. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is the villain. It just goes all in on this role. He's all in on this fucking... He's just like ranting and raving to the point of like... I mean, it makes sense. The guy is a religious fanatic. And he goes on about like, you know, God has to show him his face. Like, show, show him, he has to see God's face. And like, you know... He has to, when he dies, he wants to, I guess he, he wants to die so he can see God, you know, prove that he wants to see that there actually is a God, there is a heaven and all that for sure. I guess that's what he wants. I wasn't 100% paying attention to his motives, but yeah, he's a, a religiously obsessed. So yeah, Chiwetel Ejiofor, there's a scene where he goes on in this rant and he's talking to this other guy. He's going on this rant and he's like, people are walking, talking obituaries on the back of a dying newspaper at the bottom of a birdcage in the corner of a living room of the horror cat lady. 
What the hell, man? What happened to you? What, what, what's your problem, dude? And the good guy, he's the person he's interrogating by making him choke down a bunch of honey, just claps back, blah, blah, blah. And that, realistically, that is essentially what he's doing. He's just going blah, 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 you know. At the back of a dying newspaper, at the bottom of a birdcage, in the corner of a living room, of an older cat lady. Just going on and on. Just talk and talk and talk. You're not saying anything. Jeez. What the heck is wrong with you? What's up with you, man? Jeez. It's because you don't want to, you know, keep going to me. You got to wreck it for the rest of us. But whatever. You know, he... He plays his role pretty well. This is the second movie where Tito Ejiofor is playing a character chasing down people who've lived for a very long time. Only in that first movie, he was a good guy. and that, So I guess you die a hero, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And Chiwetel Ejiofor, in terms of his characters in these kind of movies, has become the main villain. So yeah, it's true what Dan said. He has lived long enough to become the villain. Oof. Um... There's no real noteworthy music in the film, aside from a scene at the third act when Macaulay realizes his powers. I think that's what the movie was going for. Like, the score actually sounds like it belongs in this kind of movie. Aside from the generic action movie music we've been hearing until now. That, you know, this song is actually, like, really good. I don't know what the song is called, but, like, I'll look in, I think, uh, but once I find out, I'll, like, link it in the description so, to give it a listen. But it's, like, or I'll just link the scene. You know, because it fits with the scene. I'll just, like, link the scene when I get a hold of it, if I get a hold of it. But, yeah, it's really good. There's this moment where he stands on the wing of the plane, pulls the sword out, and he's, like, feeling the water rushing past and everything. It's, like, really cool. It has him standing with this samurai pose, sword out of the water, and he's just perfectly balancing out on the wing of this plane. It looks, sounds ridiculous, but it's actually pretty cool. Too bad it doesn't amount to anything beyond this single cool moment, because... Yeah, he's just bouncing on the plane. He's got the sword. Music swelling. There's this cool shot of him there. And then he just gets in the plane and that's it. You'd think this moment of him like sensing something and, you know, feeling the water and standing there striking his pose, he would somehow like, I don't know, he's unlocked something about himself that was previously blocked, but like they did that already. And it's just, you know, those were his memories and like his memories were already unlocked. So... What was this? What was this moment of him standing on the plane? Was it like, let's just have a cool shot for the sake of a cool shot? Is that what this is? Because, you know, it was a cool moment and it was utterly ruined by it wasn't followed up on in any real way. Just, you know, he wields a sword and that's it, you know. Anyway, <clears throat> moving on. There's, um, when he gets on the plane and he's about to destroy the MacGuffin, he gets shot in the head with this weapon calls it the dethroater and he falls and it's like oh damn he's dead he got hit with the dethroater he's you know he's not gonna come back he's trapped in the thing but if you were paying attention you'll remember the fact that other in the movie they stated more than once that he has a steel plate in his head from a car accident so the bullet hit him but it hit the steel plate whenever they mention that a character has a steel plate in their head you know, action movie, you just know that character's going to get shot. And then it have no effect because of the steel plate. Hey, man, you're still going to bleed. You're still going to bleed because, you know, that steel plate is under the skin and everything. So you hit and it's like, bing! You're still going to be blood flowing. And it's still going to hurt. So, yeah. But anyway, um, he could, instead of taking out the bad guy when he's not paying attention, he instead decides to use this advantage 
to yell at the bad guy and taunt him and you know throw back a line that he said earlier in the movie about like what you don't remember don't remember at all i suppose i should be insulted like you're the one who brought up the steel plate tell me you don't remember i mean come on like he's like yeah that deep throat is not gonna work on me man you know i had an accident and he had a steel plate put in so he's technically invulnerable to the damn one weapon that could kill the immortals i'm gonna kill them but like technically take them out of the action but yeah so <clears throat> there's a final battle in this movie and this is the point in the movie where it decides it's a superhero movie it's not just an action movie thing is this movie up until this final battle has been essentially just an action movie evan mccauley isn't anything special he's just a well-trained guy you know like sure they say like he's got like centuries of you know sword fighting and weapons training and all this stuff in him and he can speak there's lush there's uh languages he just knows like he just knows languages like he can't recall learning them anywhere but he just knows them but yeah there's aside from that there's not a whole lot i mean there's not a whole lot of exceptional stuff there are i mean he gets his ass kicked over the movie but you know just uh but yeah he builds on later on this thing is unlike they say this movie's a lot like wanted but unlike wanted there's no scene where you know macaulay is just coming in and kicking all the ass you know just we never get that scene he thing is in spencer confidential there was some there were fight scenes where his character would he would get beat up but in the end he would kick all the ass like he'd get roughed up a little but he would kick all the ass there were never those moments there was a scene where he was just going this movie was just the character going from a to b getting chased by bad guys and you know getting beat up along the way i mean he gets shot in this movie he gets shot and he's like you know he's all stitched up and it's kind of groggy and you think it's going to affect him somehow but no he just continues the rest of the movie like that didn't happen you know like the character even tells him like hey man if you like stress yourself too much you'll like you won't even like you'll pass out before you even make it to thing but like that doesn't happen the wounds don't matter yeah the wound ha it happened and he was bleeding and he was out of commission but other than that nothing out of commission for a bit so that the the female the, that he's accompanying him could go try to take on the bad guy and miss also you missed you had a headshot lined up and you missed like you shot the area right next to him like thing is if a headshot is something you can miss because someone tilted their head one way just go for a body shot like shoot him right in his heart he can't shift his heart enough that he can move. I mean, it's a pretty big target. Granted, a head is a bigger target, but still, damn. If you got a, if you got a bullet to the chest, it would slow him down enough. I mean, jeez, how much saving could have been done if this dude had been slowed down just a little bit? <clears throat> anyway, uh, that to one side. What else is there in this movie? Yeah, so the final fight between the good guy and the bad guys uh the main good guy the main bad guy it boils down to them fighting in the plane as it spins out of control it's like the hallway fight from inception meet you know crossed with the first act of the mummy when they're on the plane and they're all rolling around remember that hilarious scene where there's no sound but they're just rolling around they're like ah, ah, and it just devolves into the third act of the movie crank where the guy's falling out of the sky it's like the two guys are just falling from the plane with no parachutes. Only like uh, Wahlberg's character gets to the, the bomb in time and he deactivates it. Ugh, they fight mid as they fall. But yeah, that's that. 
The film ends as it began with narration from Macaulay about life and how like possibility, he even says the title before it cuts to a shot of his teenager sword fighting a bunch of kids in Jakarta. And while the artisan watches on and it confirms like, oh, oh, but I skipped something. This, that scene basically confirms that Mark Wahlberg's character died in this movie. So yeah, he saved the world, but he died in the process. So it's like, damn, is this technically the first time Mark Wahlberg has died on screen? Because I think it might be. I mean, no, 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 no. It's not the first time it's happened. This is the first time since Fear where Mark Wahlberg has died on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Because, I mean, he has a tendency to live in these freaking movies where he's the main good guy. So, yeah, the fact that he died in this one, you know, it's it's big because he, he normally is not the guy who dies. He normally lives. Normally the movie will do its best to convince you that he'll die, but he lives, whether, you know, like it or not. You always find some way to save the day and survive without injury. Yeah. Um, it's fine to end with this teenager sword fighting. Artisan watches on, setting up a potential sequel as, you know, Artisan hands the kid the sword. And the kid immediately, like after 10 seconds, remembers and he's like, Artisan, what took you so long? And he's like, I'll see you again, Dreadway. And he walks, like, see you soon, Dreadway. And he walks away. I'm like, what are you walking away for? Like, he knows who he is right at this moment. Like, go, like, have him go with you. You know, just like, what are you, what are you waiting for? He has all his memories. He knows who he is. You know, he's got all the skills and everything. What are you possibly waiting for? Damn. Oh, uh, I this movie was overall. It's like I think it's the closest thing we'll ever see to Mark Wahlberg in a superhero role, because this character, you know, it's the closest you can get to a superhero movie without just straight up playing a guy with superpowers. And that was, you know, Paramount really swung for the fences with this one. You know, they wanted a home run, and best they could manage was third base. Even with the premise whose story potential were, as the film is titled, Infinite, this film is, hey, this film is, ah, oh, whatever, it's the opposite of that. It's quite limited in its approach and execution, you know. The the world-killing egg, Infinity Stone, equals Infinity Stone slash Apple of Eden, you know, it's the same thing. The Infinites are the same thing as the ancestors of the assassin, and, you know, the bad guys... They're trying to take over and end the world. I mean, that's just Thanos. I mean, come on. This movie is a hodgepodge of ideas that were come up by other people, and you mashed them together to make something holy that initially seems like a totally original concept, but upon further inspection, is totally unoriginal. <sighs> anyway. Six out of ten infinites is what I give this movie. That has been it. This has been Moonlight Kingdom Reviews. I have been your man on the moon, ladies and gentlemen. As always, um, yeah. I ain't got much to say beyond that. This has been another Mark Wahlberg movie that could have been... That was good, but it could have been better. Yeah. Ah! <laughs>